Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, chapter number 1, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, the Bible says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, and flip over with me to chapter number 3, verse number 2, the Bible says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and was afraid, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of years, in the midst of years, make known in wrath, remember mercy, and in down to verse number 18, one of my favorite verses, in all of the Bible, I'm glad, folks, no matter what befalls us and no matter what besets us, I'm glad there's one thing, the devil, uh, two things, really, the devil can never take away from us. The number one is our salvation, and number two, he can never take our joy uh, because it is full of glory and unspeakable. Uh, amen. His Bible says here in verse number 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. I'm going to ask the Lord to help me, and uh, and then we'll get into the, the message. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for the the opportunity it is to stand behind thy sacred destiny, God. I pray, Lord, you bless the reading of your word, God. I pray, Lord, that God, you would uh, help us, Lord, as we try to feebly preach through the word, Lord, even your word that says the foolishness of preaching, but God, do we ever need it, God? Lord, I pray, Lord, you would move me to one side. I pray, Lord, you would use my lips, Lord. You would guide and guide my thoughts uh, uh, tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would just help uh, your people in a special and a mighty way, God. I pray, Lord, that God, you would peel back the uh, the, the the veil of heaven, that, Lord, we may peer in for a little while tonight and see the glories of heaven. God, I beg you tonight that God, you would walk amongst these pews with us and sup uh, with your children tonight, Lord. We know you're here, Lord, because you dwell uh, in the heart of every believer, but would you show off and show out, God, uh, as only you can. And God, I pray, Lord, you would help us. And we ask you in the precious, that sweet, that high, that most holy, that loving, that caring, the, 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 the Lord and Savior's name, the Rose of Sharon's name, the Lion of Judah's name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tonight, I want us to look at, obviously, the prophet Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk was one of 12 uh, books in the Old Testament known as minor prophets. Now, that does not mean uh, that what Habakkuk has to say uh, is minor. The, the message he has to portray uh, is any less important. It just means that he has a, uh, a short uh, book. In fact, if I'm honest with you, I believe what Habakkuk has to say today is just as relevant as it was over 4,000 years ago when this book right. was written. Uh, what is relevant for Habakkuk in his day is extremely extremely relevant uh, for uh, us today. Uh, lots of people say that we shouldn't really bother uh, with the Old Testament anymore because it has no relevance uh, in our dispensation. But I beg to differ. Yes, uh, it is there to instruct us. It is there to, in, uh, to learn from. It is there to remind us that when Israel or when awry and turned its back on God, the things got quite bad for them. And it's also there to remind us that when a country uh, follows the will and obeys God's will, that uh, things can go quite well for them. Uh, amen. And uh, there's some things that uh, we notice uh, tonight about Habakkuk. Habakkuk lived uh, in the day of a tyrannical king. Kind of sounds a little bit like America tonight. We're living in the day of someone in a bit tyrannical. But we won't get political in the pulpit. Amen. We'll leave that one alone. And... Uh, 
But anyway, Habakkuk lived in, uh, in an evil day, the king Manasseh. He didn't want anything to do with God. Every decision that he made was always against God. Uh, and, and we also know that Habakkuk was, uh, uh, was allowed to be privileged to, uh, to, to be the prophet to tell of the uh, coming Babylonian captivity and the Chaldeans coming in uh, and taking away Israel captive. But I'm glad that even though that looked like doom and gloom, I'm glad that Habakkuk's prayer was honored. Because we know there was still, even in that captivity, there were still free men uh, that were raised up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and there was a remnant of God's people in that. I'm glad, aren't you glad, even throughout all the years, no matter, no matter what has beset people and befallen people and befallen lands and nations, I'm glad there has always been a small remnant of God's people. Uh, back in Noah's day, I know that Noah was the only one that was upright. But at least there was somebody that was still upright. Uh, just like in uh, Habakkuk's day, he was the only one, really, that was willing to do right. He was the one that was the one willing to stand in the gap. He was the one willing to say, the world might not want to do right, but I'll stand and I'll do right. right. And so we remember, we remember, uh, we read there in verse number 1 and chapter number 1, it said, the burden... Folks, God has never greatly used anybody that first did not have a burden. Now, that's different to a calling, folks. You can be burdened for somewhere, but God may never let you go. There are, there is, there is, there are people, there are places that I'm burdened for. I'm burdened for this great nation of America that she does not continue down this road that she's headed in. Sure. But God's not going to let me stay. Right. I wish I could. And warn, warn more people, go to more churches and warn them that if you don't wake up, you're going to be in the same boat as England's in, folks. I hate to put it this way, but this is the harsh reality of the situation. If America continues on this path, one day, and not in the far too distant future either, there will be a young American standing in a foreign pulpit somewhere raising support to bring America back to the gospel. Sure. And, and people tell us, nah, that will never happen in America. Really? It happened in England. Right. England was a powerhouse for the gospel. No matter where England went, the gospel went with her. Right. Great names have come out of my land, and now it's desolate. It's on its knees spiritually. In fact, it's in the gutter spiritually. And if America does not wake up, you will be in that same situation. The new quarter that has just come out, 2022 quarter, still has in God we trust, and it still has George Washington in it. On it, sorry. But George Washington's back is turned to In God We Trust. If that is not a symbol of where America is headed, I do not know what is. There are some things I want us to notice about Habakkuk that I believe that are just as relevant that he had back in his day that we need to have uh, in our day. We notice that Habakkuk had a burden to be right with God, and folks, so should we. Can I remind us, folks, that we are sometimes the only type of Jesus Christ this world will ever see. Do you know there are people, in, even in America, that don't even know what a King James Bible is, that have never heard Jesus' name uh, other than a cuss word? And so we have to have that right testament. Folks, it takes years to build a testimony. Sure. It takes seconds to tear it down. We must sure. stay right. Habakkuk possessed a burden for uh, those in his household to come to know the Lord. And folks, so should we. Habakkuk possessed a burden for the people in his city to come to know the Lord. And folks, why should we be any different? We need to do all we can. Habakkuk possessed a burden for the church to obey the will of God. Israel and the king, they were not obeying the will of God. 
And folks, if the church is no longer going to obey the will of God, we might as well shut the doors and never come back. Because we're no longer a church. If the church does not want to obey the will of God, then what are we doing here? We might as well hang it up, folks. Right. Most importantly, Habakkuk had a burden for his nation to turn back to God. Essentially, Habakkuk was calling for a revival. Remember, folks, I just told you that Habakkuk lived in an evil day. A day of apostasy. And there are many out there that will tell you that we're living in the, the last days, uh, the, the day of great apostasy, and, and revival just can't happen anymore. But Habakkuk believed revival could happen. Yes, sir. If Habakkuk believed revival could happen, folks, we must believe revival can still happen. Right. Chapter number one, if you go through chapter number one, I like to call, I like to call it the whinge chapter. Because that's, that's Habakkuk moaning and groaning to God about what God had not done. And candidly, I'd like to tell you, dear, dear Christian, and I'm preaching to the choir, I'll put both hands up right now. We moan and groan about, to God about what He's not done for us. And, so, and then in chapter number 2, that's the hush chapter, that's the be quiet chapter. That's, that is God telling Habakkuk to basically be still and know that I am God. And that was God uh, laying out uh, His plan uh, to Habakkuk, uh, Habak- I can't even talk now, Habakkuk. And folks, why don't, we, why don't we thank God for what He has given us? Yes, sir. Why don't we thank God today that we do have breath in our bodies? Right. Uh, why don't we thank God that we've been able to make it to church? Why don't we thank God that we're able to pull up and there was no one standing out here with a sure. gun trying to tell us that if we continue in our faith that they will blow our head off? Thank God. Thank God we have shoes on our feet and clothes on our back and and, and more food in our country than we know what to do with. In fact, we waste more food in America. England's just as guilty. We waste more food than we do eat. Thank God for the abundance. Thank God for the roof over our head. It could be way worse, but God has been awful good to His children. I have never seen the righteous begging bread, folks. So instead of griping and whinging and groaning to God, why don't we just take some time to thank Him? Because I hate to get to the place where God has to remind me, Hey boy, look what I've actually done for you. Look at the place I've got you at. It's easy for me to whinge and, and moan and say, God, I'm, I'm here at the end of my deputation and we're trying to go and what's the hold up? But thank God He did get us to the end of our deputation. Sure. Thank God the end is in sight. Thank God we will be on the field in a, in a few short months, the Lord being our helper. So remember, if Habakkuk in an evil day can have a burden for revival and folks we jolly well ought to as well there's a few things I want us to look at number one I want us to look at the basics of revival in order for revival to happen there has to be a few things to take place number number one I see that there is a fear of the Lord it takes a fear of the Lord for revival to happen that fear of the Lord doesn't mean to say that we go away into the corner and cow away from God's face and, and be scared of Him. No, by any stretch of imagination, no. All that means is that we respect and revere His authority. We respect that He is holy. Too many, too many people think that God's a joke. Too many people laugh in God's face. Well, I hate to tell them this, but they'll be laughing on the other side of the face when it comes to judgment. And that's a sad, sad, sad reality. And you don't think God wants to do that? 
God is not willing that any should perish. He's willing that He wants everyone to come to repentance. But I see there's a fear of the Lord, folks, as we look around our world today and we turn on the media. We can see that we're truly living in that Romans 3.18 day. That, that verse says there is no fear of God before their eyes. And folks, when we're having politicians standing in the middle of streets, telling, telling people to go into restaurants and harass other people, and we're, when, we're telling, you know, when politicians are openly telling people to burn cities down for free speech, we're in that three, Romans 3.18 day. Sure. They have no respect for authority. And the ones that do, well, we're, we're apparently the nutcases. Well, I'm, I might be a nut, but I'm screwed on the right bolt. Amen. 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 I see that not only does it take a fear of the Lord, but folks, I see that there must be a heart that was broken. I believe that as Habakkuk surveyed the situation that was going on there uh, in Israel and knowing of the uh, impending judgment of the Babylonian Empire coming in uh, and taking Israel captive, I believe it broke his heart. I believe that he... Well, let's turn there. Chapter number 1, verse number 2. Look what he says. How long, oh, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? I don't believe that was just him crying out physically with his voice. I, I believe that he's crying in his heart. He's grieved. And because his heart was broken, there's something else I see, that there must be a soul that is stirred. A soul must be stirred. Folks, if our souls aren't stirred, then we're not going to take action. You see, because that's also another thing that I see in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We won't read it for the sake of time, but there's some things that Habakkuk's called to do here. It's a call to action. He's called to stand. The Bible says, stand, having done all to stand. And you know what? Then you stand some more. After you've done standing, he never, say, he never says, uh, give up. Uh, he, never says, uh, uh, he, he never says, sit down. He says, stand, and having done all to stand. And then he says, stand again. Amen. There's a call to stand. You know, when we, when, when and, and in Paul's day, uh, he was talking about the Roman army a lot because that was the army of the day. But when they used to build those fortresses, those great fortresses, they used to build walkways on those parapets. And they used to stand on top of them. There's another thing that they were called to do. They were called to watch. Not only is there a, stand to, a call to stand, but there's a call to watch. What were they watching for, folks? Watching for the enemy. Right. Too many Christians are no longer watching for the enemy. Right. Too many Christians have sat down. They've taken a break. They've, they've loosened off the armor, per se. They've put the sword back in the sheath. They've, they've uh, taken off the chin strap to the helmet of salvation. It's called a watch. You've got to watch for those darts because the enemy, he's going to throw them and he will throw them when you least expect them. Right. Folks, I've had it said that you're either going through a valley or about to go through one. We're not on the mountaintop long. But I'm glad though that even through the valley, Christ is there all along the way. Right. I'm glad that he gave us such promises. If he says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, folks, you can depend on that. Yes, no, I see there's a call to stand, a call to watch with the folks. There's also a call to listen. We need to listen to God's voice. Too many times we switch off and we don't want to listen to what God has to say anymore. Too many times we'll, we'll hear the preacher preaching, but it falls on deaf ears. Too, too, many, uh, too many times we'll, we'll, we'll listen and we'll say, but God, that doesn't fit my schedule. 
God, that doesn't fit my budget. God, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me. But if God's talking to you and He's asking you to do something, better head, go ahead and do it. Because anything than obedience is disobedience. It's rebellion, God says. Not only is there a call to listen to God, there's a call to listen to each other. And tonight, during taking prayer requests and listening to each other's burdens and praying over each other's burdens, that's what we were doing, folks. We were listening to one another. We were listening to the praise reports and we can be happy and we can rejoice uh, alongside uh, those praise reports. But when someone's hurting and someone's upset and someone's sad, it doesn't matter if there's aught between one another. That's when we put those differences aside. Folks, we are, we are one body, we... Christians should not argue and bicker amongst ourselves. It doesn't matter what color the carpet is, what color the chairs, or the pews, or the walls are. It doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, it's very minuscule. What's most important is, why don't we start arguing about the best way to bring souls into a church? Not only is there a call to listen to, uh, to God and to each other, but I hear that there's a call to listen to the lost. They have a cry. It's called help. They turn to the bottle because they don't believe anyone else can help them. They turn to the drugs uh, because they don't believe uh, anyone else can help them. They stand on the edge of a bridge waiting to jump because they don't believe there's uh, any hope. But I'm glad, folks, that we have the answer. We have the hope. So when the lost, when the lost call, we need to answer it. We need to not idly just walk on by and do as it says there in uh, in the book of Mark in chapter number uh, 6 and verse number 36 where the disciples even say, send them away that they may go round into the villages round about and buy themselves bread. We not need to send them away. We need to be running up to them and we need to bring them in. Amen. Not only is there a call to stand, a call to watch, a call to listen, a call to listen to God, a call to listen to each, uh, to each other, a call to listen to the lost, but there's a call to wait. And that does not mean be lazy, folks. When God's not talking to us, when God hasn't said move, anyone that has served, and we do thank you and appreciate your service, but anyone who serves knows that unless you're commanding our officer, those in authority tell you to do something. If they say, hold fast, you hold fast. If they say, fire, you fire. If they say, stop firing, you stop firing. When God says move, we move. But just because he hasn't said move does not mean to turn around and say that we are lazy. That doesn't mean to say we stop handing out tracts. That doesn't mean to say we don't get in that secret place in our prayer closet and stop praying. It just means we just wait. Until he does say something. Until he does say move. And only do I see there's the basics of the revival. But I also notice there's a burden for revival. Chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. We won't read them for sake of time. But I see there's a desperate heart cry. That verse there in chapter number 1. The prayer of Habakkuk. Oh, sorry, chapter number 3 verse number 1. It says the prayer of Habakkuk. The prophet upon Shaginoth. You know what Shaginoth means? A place of profound emotion. I believe Habakkuk was praying in the right place. Amen. Sure. Folks, if there's going to be a burden for revival, it takes a desperate heart cry. Right. It's going to take someone to get desperate. It's going to, it's going to take some desperation among God's people. It's going to, uh, desperation has the idea of a sense of urgency. We need to do it urgently. We're desperate. We're, we're, we're desirous to see something done. And, and look at the language throughout chapter number 3. This isn't some five-minute little wimpy Church of England prayer. Oh, God. 
please stop this awful thing from happening unto us. No, I believe that this uh, this prophet was down on his knees. I believe that uh, I believe that the, there was a puddle of tears uh, before him. I believe that he was red in the face. I believe that his uh, veins were uh, uh, popping out the side of his uh, head because he was praying with such anguish. And we know that there in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that Jesus Christ Himself sweated beads of blood. Yes. It has been proven by medical doctors that you can be in such stress and such anguish that you can literally burst the blood vessels in your head. I believe Habakkuk was at this place. I believe such was the the desperation. I believe such was uh, the sense of urgency. I I believe such was... uh, I I believe that he was so heartbroken that he got to that place. Folks, I'm not trying to suggest by any stretch of imagination that's what we need to do when we're in our secret place, when we're praying... Folks, five minutes is not going to cut it anymore. We owe it to the next generation to pray and pray without ceasing. Charles Spurgeon said he was never more than ten minutes outside of God in prayer because otherwise he had literally no direction for the day. Five minutes ain't going to cut it. You want to know what the greatest... I've been in many churches on, on deputation. And the one thing I have noticed is there are no... No wet olders anymore. People's eyes are dry. We're wondering why lost people aren't getting saved. It's because we don't weep for them. The shortest verse in the Bible, folks, Jesus wept. Yeah, I know that was over Lazarus, but I'm going to use it for this application. He was crying over someone that had died. Folks, technically they're dead. The lost world is dead in their trespasses and sins. And if Jesus Christ could weep over someone that was dead, where is our excuse? And folks, again, I'm preaching to the choir. I am guilty of it too. There have been times I've not been... There are times where I've not wept over the people of Hartlepool. There are times I've not wept over the people of Durham. There are even times I have lost family members and I have not wept over them. And I stuck my hand up in prayer request time and I said, yeah, I've asked for their salvation, that God would save them. But I didn't believe God could do it. I've been praying in disbelief. I don't believe that Habakkuk was praying in disbelief, folks. Not only is there a desperate heart cry and these, these all interlock, the, the previous points and these new points, they all interlock. There's a dependency upon God. Until we get to the place where we realize that it's Jesus Christ plus or minus nothing and that God does not need our help. When we start putting our little sticky fingerprints on, 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 on things and we think that we know better than God, there's a problem. It's going to take, it's going to take some people to say, Lord, I can't do it. But I know you can. I know you're able. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20 says that He is able to go above uh, and beyond anything that we ask to think much more abundantly. Amen. God says, you think it, I can do it, and then some. Right, amen. amen. That's in the Rob's translation of the Bible. <laughs> but we, we must get to the place where we realize that Jesus Christ is the only answer, that Jesus Christ is the only one. Folks, it's good to have revival meetings. I'm all for a good revival meeting. I enjoy the good preaching. I enjoy the good singing. I enjoy being encouraged and refreshed. But folks, revival meetings do not bring about revival. Revival meetings come from a desperate heart cry from God's children and a complete dependence beyond God, which is when 
God's people do what he says here in verse number 2. Verse, verse number 2 of chapter number 3, it says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of years make known in wrath. Remember mercy, folks. When we beg God for mercy, when we beg God for revival, and we're serious about it, that's when revival is going to happen. See, thirdly, when, when, you've got, when you've had the basics of revival and we've got that down, and when we've done the burdens of revival and we've got that down pat, then we can enjoy the blessings of revival. Habakkuk realized he could not remove God's hand of judgment, but he could stay it, which is why he begged God in the midst of years, um, make known in wrath, remember mercy. He was begging God for mercy, for when God remembers mercy, not that God forgets to be merciful, but when we remind God that He is merciful and that we want Him to be merciful, that's when God says, okay, I'll be merciful. And God was merciful. He could have eradicated Israel right there and then. But He didn't. He allowed Israel to be taken captive. He allowed, he allowed, he allowed those three men to be raised up and so that they, they weren't completely, completely, uh, completely ex- uh, made... made I can't even talk. You forgive me. But he didn't. He, he didn't. He didn't completely wipe them off the face of the earth. We see this is the hope of the church that God is merciful, and it is when revival, folks, is then when God remembers mercy. Right. We can rejoice because God is able. Amen. And we can also rejoice because God is available. <coughs> be folks if God made himself able but he never made himself available Right. I'm glad folks I don't have to wait for the, the Catholic priest to go down into the confession box to get to God right. I'm glad I can get to God anytime anyhow anywhere right. I'm glad that even when I'm driving down the road and make note here don't close your eyes you may end up in a ditch but I'm glad that even driving down the road, I can get to my Savior. Amen. I'm glad when I'm even walking around the grocery store, even getting my groceries, I can get to my Lord and Savior. Lord. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that when, when I can't sleep at nights, I'm glad I can get to my Savior. God has made Himself available, but we can also rejoice because God is always the same. I mentioned earlier that God is always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And folks, can I remind us that God has made the Christian life so that we can completely depend upon Him. Our salvation depends upon Him. I can't do anything for my salvation. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't buy my way into heaven. Not being a good person I can get my way into heaven. No act of kindness. No great work of charity can get me into heaven. It was by the blood of Jesus Christ and that, and that alone. I have to depend on Jesus Christ for my salvation. Folks, He says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know what that word whosoever means? It means whosoever. Right. It's not a hope, soul, think so type of deal. I'm glad that's what sets Christianity apart from any of these world religions. We know today. The Bible says that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not pray five times a day, blow up a couple of people, and maybe you'll make it into paradise. Right. It's I know. That I can get eternal life if I just call upon His name. Hey, if He says, I shall supply all thy need, then folks, that's what He means. It means He's going to put bread on the table. It means He's going to put shoes uh, on the feet. It means He's going to put clothes on the back. It means He's going to give you the the money so you can provide for your family. 
It means it's going to provide so you can keep a roof over your head. God will provide. I said it before, I'll say it again. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Yeah, God never said this thing would be a walk in the park and a bed of roses. But what He did say, He said, I'll be with you when it does get hard. Amen. When there's a few thorns tearing at your skin, I'll be right there. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I won't leave you. Folks, there's only one person in this whole entire world that can ever say that God forsook him. That's when he was hanging on that cross. That's when he was filthy with our sin. That's when God the Father had to turn his back on that sweet, spotless, wonderful Lamb of God. And he turned and he said, My son, I can't look at you right now. Because you've become their sin. And only Jesus Christ knows what that's like. And he promised us he'll never do that to us. What a promise, amen. Amen. So we can depend upon God. Which means if he says to beg him for revival, we can depend on God that he will send revival. Folks, I really did say all that to really say these two end statements. I'm sure y'all would have preferred if I got to that, amen. (laughs) But in the Second World War, the Germans had the Allies on the beach at Dunkirk. He had us all on the run, pretty much. Hitler was rubbing his hands, and he wrote Winston Churchill a nice letter begging England for its unconditional surrender, because he said, if England falls, they'll all fall. And he said, you can keep your monarchy, you can keep your empire. He said, said, you can keep your own government. He said, you'll just answer to us. I guarantee this, Hitler continued. Churchill looked down that ladder, and he looked at it and said, hmm... Hitler's guarantees guarantee nothing. And with that, he took that piece of paper and he rolled it up and he threw it in the trash can. Very publicly, Winston Churchill gave this reply. He says, we'll fight you in the air. We'll fight you in the beaches. We'll fight you in the landing fjords. We'll fight you in the fields. We'll fight you in the air. And he said, we will never surrender. Habakkuk had some resolve. He looked the devil square in the face. He said, devil, you're not going to have my nation. You're not going to have the people in my family. You're not going to take the people in my city. And folks, I I beg us today that we look the devil square in the face. Spiritually speaking, we say, you're not going to have my family members. You're not going to have my church. You're not going to have my town. You're not going to have my county. You're certainly not going to have my, my country so long as I've got breath in my body and a Bible under my arm. And we will never surrender. Something else that I want us to make be, be aware of is in 1982, and today is, the, I believe, the anniversary of the Falklands. 1982, the Argentinians invaded the Falkland Islands, which is a little British island off the coast of Argentina. And the Prime Minister at the time was Margaret Fasher, the Iron Lady. And she convened the Cabinet about what should be done. The cabinet convened and they came back to the Prime Minister and they said, Prime Minister, we believe the best course of action is to do nothing. With shock and dis- it was shock and a look of disgrace on her face. Margaret Thatcher said to her cabinet, she said, to do nothing. She said, what possible good can come from doing nothing? She said, they are British citizens and this country has sworn oath to protect all British citizens regardless of where they're at. She said, we owe them that. She said, it is vital that we do something. 
And obviously history tells us that we sent a task force and we liberated the island back from the Argentines, but spiritually speaking, what possible good can come from the Christians doing nothing? England is an example, folks, of what can happen when Christians do nothing. I'm begging you, just like Habakkuk had a burden. He was willing to do something. I'm begging you all from someone that's come from a nation that had the blessing of God and has lost it. I'm begging you as a fellow brother of the Lord to do something for this country. To do something because I'm telling you folks I am scared about what your grandchildren are going to have to grow up in. I'm really, really scared about what their children are going to have to grow up in if things don't turn around. It is imperative that we don't sit and do nothing. Folks, we must do something. It is too late when we are on the deathbed to try to do something. And it is certainly too late when we're being caught up through the air because the rapture is happening. We cannot change this world. Sure. Action is immediate. Action is required now. And it is my plea to you. Preach, you come, you close out how you see fit, but it is, I beg, I'm begging you that tonight you'd make a resolve that you would do something. I don't know, maybe, maybe Preach is going to open it up for an altar of prayer. Maybe you want to come and pray for this nation before it's too late. Because God is willing. And God is able to send revival. Folks, are we willing to do something? Preacher, thank you. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.